Thank you for joining us here at John G. Lake Ministries and Dominion Life Church for another inspired teaching from God's Holy Scriptures by Curry Blake. We expect that this teaching will encourage, challenge, and strengthen you in your life. Now, may the eyes of your understanding be enlightened to know what the hope of His calling is for you. Without further delay, enjoy the teaching. As you know, we have been covering a series, and it's on the laws of spiritual growth. Now, the question is, are you putting those laws into effect? Because if you're not working the laws, they are working against you. And so it's vitally important that you put these into effect. And the idea is that we're building this uh, kind of, as they would say, you know, precept upon precept. So we're going through these things and everyone that comes up, you need to look at your life and start putting your life through that one and then the others along with it until what it is is, you know, your life, your spiritual growth may be rather haphazard. But if you put up the filters that you need to see it through, then your life, instead of being haphazard, will start to line up and become very straightforward and you will grow exponentially faster than if you just kind of hit and miss, right? And so I want to go over what we're, well, it's law number four. This is our fourth session on this. And this is one of the, uh, well, obviously they're all important, uh, but this one can make or break you totally. Uh, This one, if you don't abide by this, if you don't put this into effect, and this is probably one of the hardest to put into effect. You'll see why in just a minute. Uh, it has to do with the emotions. And so whenever you, if you don't put this into effect, you can be so derailed that not only do you not grow spiritually, but you actually grow <coughs> negatively spiritually. And that it could actually lead to you falling away from God. And so we want to bring this out this morning. So this is, you know, it's very serious is what I'm getting at. And this law is what we call the law of association. The law of association means simply this. What you have around you, who you associate with, will determine what you become like. It's just that simple. Uh, the Bible is very clear. Deep calleth unto deep. Uh, you know, gossipers will find gossipers to talk to or turn people who are not gossipers into gossipers. And so, but it's all because of who you associate with. That's just one thing. Anything like that, you will become like the person you're around. Now, uh, that is not to say, oh, be scared and don't associate with anybody, you know, and just stay off by yourself. Well, guess what? I did that too. Um, When I first started, you know, a lot of people don't realize that I actually had to kind of go outside the church to find the truth I was looking for. And what that meant, what that means is the church that I was around was not preaching the Bible and I had to disassociate from that church and actually get in the Bible. And when I got into the Bible and started reading it, then I found other people that obviously were Christians. But what I'm saying is I didn't just sit in church and get this. And so I'm going to share with you how, kind of how, because all I can do is tell you what has worked for me. And so I'm going to share some of that with you. Now, first off, uh, you know, the question, you've probably heard this before. Uh, look at your friends, because in five years you'll be just like them. Mm-hmm. 
So if you have a friend you don't want to be like, you must disassociate with them. I'm not talking about being mean. I'm not talking about telling them, you know, you're no good. I can't be around you. It's not like that. But you should try to see if they want to grow. And if they are wanting to grow, then you can grow together. Uh, Don't look for the perfect person and try to be around the perfect people because if you do, then when you show up, they won't be perfect anymore, right? It's like trying to find the perfect church. You're not going to find the perfect church, you know? How do I know that? Because then you'll be there and it will no longer be perfect, okay? So, So, uh, and they say that that'll happen within a five-year period. You know, and there's a saying, I actually wrote it down, um, that you know, th- there's the old saying, the old country saying, that if you sleep with dogs, you'll rise with fleas. Well, it's kind of the same way, right? Uh, there, there's a lot along these lines that we're going to talk about. Another thing I've heard, which is very true too, that friends are like elevators. They'll take you up, they'll take you down, but they generally don't leave you where they found you. And so it's always good to have a friend that's an elevator taking you up, not one taking you down. Amen? See, this is where if parents really believed this, they would absolutely orchestrate and even dictate who their children hung around with and and would literally help. They could help their children grow by making sure they have the right influences around them and they can keep their children from getting in trouble by making sure the wrong influences are not around them. Right now, I know that's not politically correct nowadays uh, because, you know, you got to let your child find their own way. Well, let me tell you, if you let a child find their own way, they'll find their own way to hell. That's why the Bible says train up a child. And, and if, whenever they're old, they won't depart from it. Now, it didn't say they won't depart sometime in the middle because many times they do depart for a while in the middle. But when they're old, they'll come back. Hopefully they come back before. Yeah. Sowing and reaping takes place. Okay, so, um, but we're gonna we're gonna look at these things. So, uh, all the spiritual laws of, of growth are important, obviously, and some are so important that I feel the need that I have to emphasize them. And this is one of those that need to be emphasized. It's just that simple. Uh, but there's two ways to emphasize. Well, there's actually several ways, two or three anyway. Uh, one way is yell loud. <laughs> right? Well, as you can tell, I'm not a yeller. Right? I, I don't scream, run, and I, I love that kind of preaching. I love to sit under it. That's just not me. If I did it, it would look pathetic, okay? <laughs> uh, because I would have to make it, you know what I mean? And I, I won't do that. Uh, but I love that kind of preaching. And so, you know, I love the handkerchief waving. I mean, I love all of that. I love the Jericho marches, you know. I've been involved in those. Uh, so I love all that. But it's just, uh, that, that's one way is just get loud, Right. Another way, which of course you wouldn't do in church, is cuss. <laughs> See, Patton knew that if he wanted his soldiers to listen and to get their attention, to throw in a cuss word every now and then. Well, I guess that would work in church too. But um, <laughs> you would definitely get the people's attention pretty quick if you did that. But we know that's not right. And so, um, so that's another way to do it. But then the other way, another way is to just keep saying it over and over and over and over and over, which is repetition, which is good. The problem with that is you don't want to sit here three hours because that's how I'd have to do it. I'd have to just say it so much, so much, so much that you can't repeat enough in 25, 30, 45 minutes for for it to have the, the impact. So you have to say it in a way that hopefully it grabs the attention and you remember it. 
Amen? So you try hard to grab it and remember it. I'll try hard to say it in a way that it doesn't take me three hours to get it out. All right? So don't get nervous. Okay, we have a timer. <laughs> Not that that matters. I never pay attention to it anyway, but okay. But so all laws... And, and, you know, if y'all want these notes, we could probably make these notes available to you. If not, if you want to make notes, that I would highly encourage you to make notes because you remember about 70% of what you write down. Uh-huh. And so I would highly encourage you to get the notes, get the, the recording, listen to it again, practice it. Because these aren't, I, I can guarantee you, the other three, you may be able to recall some of it, but you didn't, you didn't get it. Why? How do I know that? Because you never get anything the first time. It just doesn't work that way. You have to hear it and hear it and hear it, and you have to write it down. You have to say it. That's how you build it into you. That's how I built it into me. It's how the human mind works, right, which most of us are still dealing with. So now it says here, yeah, I said most of us. Anyway, so (laughs) now all laws have a built-in ability to bring victory or defeat. Every one of these laws have within itself See, that's, that's like the, the law of sowing and reaping. Now, the law of sowing and reaping isn't technically a law of spiritual growth. It is a law of the spirit realm, which we will talk about at some point. But the law of sowing and reaping, see, God doesn't have to do anything. Like, like I think I was talking about today, you know, in Isaiah 61, Jesus preached, and he was saying that he had come to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, and then he stopped just before he said, and to preach the day of vengeance of our God. And why? Because he didn't come to preach vengeance, right? That will be, and then notice the thing is, it's a year of acceptance. Well, it's actually been about 2,000 years of acceptance, but it's only going to be a day of vengeance, right? And so it's going to be a quick thing. It's going to take place at that time. Now, in the meantime, because Jesus said the Father has put all judgment into his hand, has put it all to him, right? And right now, he ever liveth to make intercession. He does not ever live to make judgment. All right? You understand? People say, then why does this happen? Where they have a law of sowing and reaping. See, that's the perfect system because you will reap what you sow. And whenever you see people do injustice, they will reap justice on a human level now because of sowing and reaping. And sometimes many people think, well, you know, sowing and reaping takes so long, you know, unless you're in the middle of the reaping. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I wish it hadn't come so quick. But we have to realize that God does not have to, uh, let's, let's say that you have smoked five packs of cigarettes a day for the last 50 years, and you still, you know, don't have lung cancer, all right? Well, let me tell you, that is the grace and mercy of God, all right? Uh, on the other hand, let's say you've done the exact same thing, and you do have cancer. That's sowing and reaping. That's not God judging you for your sin. That's sowing and reaping. The, the, the action, if you want to call it a sin, okay, I have no problem with that, but that action has repercussions. God doesn't have to say, you get this now, and you get the cancer. No, he doesn't say it. Your body, that, that action, has the ability, or I should, yeah, the action, the sin, if you want to call it that. The sin itself has within itself its own consequences. Do you get that? And so, why? Because, and just like Austin was saying today, every time you smoke that cigarette, that's another seed you're planting in your body. Do you get that? And, it, and we, we're just, you know, picking on smoking. It could be anything else. It's, it's anything that is not good for your body, anything that's not right, anything it wasn't meant to be. Amen? So we're just, I'm not just trying to pick on anybody. I don't know if anybody's case here. I'm not, you know. 
point anybody out. Now, Holy Spirit does. Maybe he's saying, I don't know. Anyway, so, so <laughs> let's get back into the lesson, though. Okay? If, if, if the laws are obeyed, they bring peace and victory. If they are disobeyed, they bring anguish and defeat. End of story. That's just the way it works. Now, you say, well, I wish it didn't work that way. Well, you know, uh, wish all you want. It ain't going to change the laws, right? God said that he put before us life and death, blessing and cursing. He told us to choose life. He said we have to choose, right? The Bible says deep calleth unto deep, like begets like. That's just the way it is. In 1 Corinthians 15, and let me, well, I'll say this first and then I'll make a statement on it. In 1 Corinthians 15, 33, it says this. Be not deceived. You'd be surprised. You ought to look that statement up. Be not deceived. How many times that happens in the Bible? God is always warning us not to be deceived. He says, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Now, we can take that at face level just in the King James English if you want to, but I always like to find out what they were actually saying. And that word communication, it actually means a, a, a direct a dialogue between two people. Okay, But it literally means, I mean, give you what it means. It's the Greek word homilia, where we get the word, or the, the word homily, which most people hadn't heard that word in a long time. But it means companionship. So bad, evil companionship will do what? It will corrupt good manners. I don't care how good you are. If you hang around with, now I'm not talking about going and witnessing. I'm not talking about having to, to work around some people and different things. But if you're fellowshipping, hanging out with people <clears throat> that are evil, me, and being evil, you don't have to be a Hitler to be evil, right? If you're not good, you're evil, according to the Bible. It's just that simple. And so he says evil companionship, evil, uh, even, even the word... Um, uh, verbal uh, intercourse. In other words, you're, you're constantly talking with one another. In other words, you're hearing what they're saying and you're in communication with them. That it corrupts good manners. So no matter how good you're, you are, and manners doesn't mean just being polite. It means how you live. So if you hang around with evil companions who are constantly thinking evil, doing evil, doing bad things, and, and the reason I'm saying is this. Okay, uh, when I was in school... I'm talking about you know junior high, high school, that kind of stuff. Uh, I, well, I was in ROTC. I was you know in martial arts at the time, so I had my time pretty much taken up. And but I, I didn't hang out with bad people. My dad was a cop, and believe me, he knew everybody I hung out with. He knew them. He knew who their parents were. Why? Because he could run a check on them and find out who they were. And I could tell you stories. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to anyway. Um, but he, he, they, my parents watched very closely who I hung around with. And I'm thankful for it today, right? Now, that doesn't mean I was a goody-goody, as they would say, and all that kind of stuff. But I will tell you this. If you hang around with people that, you know, when I, when I was growing up, I was an only child. I read a lot. I studied a lot. I was into, you know, well, study. And, but I, and I made decent grades in school. Uh, but the whole point was there was always people around wanting to do other things. Let's go party. Let's go do this. Oh, don't worry about that. Do this. And, and it's funny because, you know, they would. Now, 
I, nobody ever called me this to my face. I mean, they probably said it, but they never said it to my face, so I don't know. But I do know it said many times, uh, you know, people will be in school, and if you like to study, then, you know, you're a bookworm. You know, uh, in the old days, well, you were a nerd or you were a geek, which is funny. Now the geeks are making all the money. But anyway, um, used to as a cut down. Now it's like, oh, you're a geek. Oh, yes, I am a geek. And I'm part of the geek squad. I mean, you know, you got, I mean, you've, it's different now. But it's funny because used to the people that, they, that you would call geeks and nerds, uh, the very people that didn't want to study, didn't want to do those things. It's funny because now they're calling them boss. So it might be something to think about uh, if you're going to hang around with people because you need to realize, again, they're like elevators. They'll take you up or take you down. But you decide to get in, and you decide who you're going to hang around with. And so um, we, I was raised when I was younger over here in, in Wiley and then in Mesquite. I went through high school and everything in Mesquite. But um, when we were in Wiley, my dad was a policeman there, and there was a guy that I hung around with. Seemed okay. Seemed big. Pretty decent kid, you know, okay kid. And then, but there was this, and we always had dogs. We never had cats. I'll be honest with you, I'm not a cat person, right? <laughs> I'm more of a dog person. We raised Dobermans. We had German Shepherds, that kind of stuff. So that was more of my forte. And so uh, didn't really care for cats. But there was a cat that was always hanging around, coming around our yard, and it was a nuisance, right? And I remember one day remarking to this kid, oh, there's that cat. Man, I wish that thing would go away, you know, and we, I tried to chase it off several times, it didn't matter, it still come back around. Well, about a week later, I found that cat dead, and, and it, it wasn't a natural death, it was bad, okay, and so, it, and for me, cruelty to animals, man, I, I'm telling you, I would, I, okay, back in the day, <laughs> I would hit you faster for being cruel to an animal than if you were cruel to a human. Because I figured the human can defend themselves. Right. An animal, you better leave it alone. You're cruel to an animal, I got no use for you, right. except as a punching bag, right? That would be the only thing, right? That's just, I'm being honest, all right? Um, and, but when I saw that, it, just, it affected me how this cat was killed. And I remember later mentioning it. And the guy made a statement. He didn't directly say he did it. But he did it. And I knew he did it by his statement. And after the fight, we, uh, <laughs> we, we, I did not hang around with him anymore. I got, I got rid of him as a friend. He was, because I'm not going to be a friend of a person who will be cruel to an animal. It just won't do it. Why? Because that same mentality would come off on me. Now, I didn't know at the time. I just knew I didn't like him because of what he did to an animal. So then later, out, I, later on, I found out that. So, but it's this area of who you hang around. Now, this... This gets good here in a minute, I promise, okay? So, uh, but the word literally means, when it says evil communications, it means communication. It means uh, <clears throat> companionship, hanging around with a person, right? And it actually, there's another, well, the word homily also is another part of that word, and it means to, to keep company with people like that, like a certain type of people. Now, you will become what you see most. It's just that simple. I don't care whether you like it, whether you don't. What you see most, what you think about most, what you talk about most, you will become. So whatever you want to become, see it, think about it, and talk about it. It's just that simple. Now, this is a super simple law. 
But the hard part comes in when you try to put it into action in your life because there is so much um, emotion involved. Well, you don't understand. I've been friends with them for, you know, 10 years. Uh, but, well, okay, and what's, what's going? Because I, I guarantee you, if you know someone like I'm talking about here, then you know that they're affecting you, but you're not necessarily affecting them. And so you have to decide what do you want in life most? Where do you want to go? Who do you want to be like? What do you want to be like? What do you want in your life? Because the law of association will determine what you're going to be like. And the good thing is, you get to choose who you associate with. Man. You can make that choice. And depending on how bad the situation is, and depending on how much you want to be different, that will determine whether you make a change or not. And so you have to decide early on, okay, that's bad and I don't want that. But, but you know, I'm, I'm around people at my work all day and all they talk about is this. Okay, get another job. Well, you know, that's easy for you to say, but I can't do that. Uh, then you don't want it bad enough. It's just that simple. See, we, it's funny. Well, I don't have a choice. You've always got a choice. You've always got a choice. And so it's, it's just like anything else. Listen, the, the problems today have more to do with association because your association creates your culture. And your culture creates your character. Do you hear that? And so you have to decide who you're going to associate with and who, what type of culture you're going to have around you. And I will tell you, that's one of the reasons why, well, I'll get into it in just a minute, but I, my wife, my mother, different people have made statements about, you know, you're, you're quiet, you stay, you, know, you stay off by yourself a lot because I'm reading, I'm studying, I'm, I'm thinking. A lot of times I'm just spending time just thinking and just spending time with God. But it's just because I know what I want. And I know who has it. And it's God. Amen. And so I want to spend more time with him and people that have that same mindset. Now, here, I'll go ahead and read this real quick. Uh, you will become what you see most. You will, who you listen to most, you'll become most like. So you need to choose your friends and associates carefully. Now, the Bible says if you would be wise, then you have to walk with the wise. Right. Well, the corollary of that is if you want to be a fool, walk with fools. It's just that simple. Right. <clears throat> you know, uh, Denzel Washington did an interview just recently. Him and Morgan Freeman both. Well, it's not real recent, but a while back. And he was talking about the importance of fathers in the family. Right. And, you know, he was talking about how people get arrested and the age they get arrested and that kind of stuff. And, and it always goes back to where was your father? You know, not always where was your mother, but where was your father? And it's important that we have those role models to look at. And why? Because at that age, that, that is your association. And you can tell a lot of kids, you know, they grow up and they put on their dad's work clothes or whatever and put on his hat or whatever, he's, whatever he wears to work and they act like they're doing what he does. Why? Because they see that. And we all know kids say what they hear, so you got to watch what you say, right? Because they will say it at the exact wrong time. Isn't that right? Anyway, okay. So, but <clears throat> there are people that, that I had as friends for years. I'm talking 30-year relationships, 30 years. Closest friends that I'd ever had. 
But there was a point where something happened. I'm talking about one person in particular. And something happened to them in a church, as a matter of fact. And that person became very bitter. And that bitterness became negativity. And then after that, everything was negative. Everything was bitter. And, and you know, I, I'm not saying I was perfect by any stretch. But I knew I couldn't associate, associate with that or I'd become just like that. And, I, and the reason I knew that is because I was noticing it in my life. Mm-hmm. And so eventually, and I tried everything I could to turn things, but I couldn't. And so eventually I just had to separate and just say, and, and you know, it wasn't like, oh, you're not a friend anymore. I'm not going to talk to you. It wasn't like that. It was just mostly just a distancing right. over a period of time. Yes, and so, uh, but it was necessary. And that's probably one of my biggest, I don't say regrets. I mean, I don't know. Now is that that person is not with me now in the ministry because he should be, mm-hmm. but he's not. But it's because he wouldn't let the past go. And so, um, anyway, so uh, if and just give you some statements here. If you are the most successful person in your group, get a bigger group. <laughs> if you want to be successful, I'm talking about just in everyday life, in your business, right? Uh, if you're the smartest person in your group, get a bigger group. Why? Because people know some things you don't. And, you know, if you're always the person answering the questions, Get a bigger group. Say, I'll go on that in just a minute. But you will grow more from a good conversation than you will from you being the answer to a question. And so, why? Because with it's just like the Bible says that iron sharpens iron, and that's the way it's supposed to be. It's not. You shouldn't always be in a discipleship mentoring relationship. There should come a point where the disciple is equal to quote-unquote, the master, the mentor, as we would say today, to where now it's no longer where the mentor is always pouring in, but now there's an even sharpening. Amen? Amen? If, there, if that doesn't happen, then the mentor is not doing their job of actually growing that person up. And so <clears throat> you, you need to make sure that you're around people. Actually, that's what I wrote in here. People ask me, you know, or they've asked people like Marty, and, and George in Australia and Marty in Canada, of course, you know, had you, I know they've asked George this. I'm not sure if they've asked Marty this, but they, they've asked George, you know, how did you get to be friends with Curry and how come you are so close and all this? And, but it's the same thing with Marty. It's the fact that, you know, deep calls to deep. I mean, we, we all have the same desire and we're, we're growing. And when I talk with them, I don't have to, I don't know if you realize this or not, and I, I got to say it just right because I, I I want you to understand, when, I'm, when you're around people that are always asking questions, you're always the teacher. Yeah. And, I, with, with, and I hate to say it this way, but it's like you're always on. Does that make sense? You're always on, right? Now, I, I can tell you, what, what you see me up here, this is how I am all the time. This is, I will talk to you individually just like I talk to you here, right? As a matter of fact, the only difference is I'm probably meaner here than I am in private. Why? Because here I can be a little stronger and nobody knows if I'm actually talking to you. <laughs> but if we're standing face to face, then you know I'm talking to you. So I'm not going to be mean because I'm, I'm not going to hurt you. I don't want to hurt, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody. And so I'm a lot easier 
um, in person than I am in a public meeting like this. But my basic personality and thing, it's all the same. And, and, but the, the difference is, too, um, I recognize that I'm trying to help and get people to grow. And because of that, I have to be on, so to speak. But when I talk with George, when I talk with Marty, uh, when I talk with Chris, when I talk with Tyrone, these people around the world, and especially when I'm traveling with them and we're together, we're friends. I'm not the teacher and they're the disciple. Right. We're friends. And, and if it wasn't that way, they wouldn't travel with me much. Why? Because I, I wouldn't want to be on all the time to where I, I have to have the answer. See, that's, that's a hard thing. And so I want to be able to just fellowship and I want to grow. So I have to have people around me also that want to grow so that the conversation, at the end of the conversation, we've both grown. You know, I don't walk away drained and they walk away filled. That's not the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be that we walk away together and we've both grown and we've grown toward Christ and we've grown closer together. Amen. And see, that's, that's why. Now, you know, honestly, the, the connection uh, with, with George was, it was a divine connection. God put that together and made it happen in a way. And it wasn't, especially for George and him, it wasn't pleasant. It cost them friendships. It, it cost me a friendship too, but I figure, you know, if, it cost, if a friendship costs you a friendship, then there's something wrong with the first friendship. Does that make sense? Yes. Right. So, um, but, and like with Marty, Marty will tell you, the reason we're friends is because he came down here and said, uh, I'm going to work with you whether you like it or not. <laughs> and that's just the way it was. And, and they kept showing up. I remember he said, right over there. And, and there, we kept, and he would say, you know, can I talk to you during break? And we'd get together. And, you know, I mean, I'd heard a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I want to be your friend. I want to be that. And I've heard that. And it usually means I want to get from you what I can, and then I want to go start my own ministry. That's usually what it means. And so I'm not as open to just everybody, right? Uh, but at the same time, like with Marty and them, we, we started getting together and talking, and, you know, we're just deep caught in the deep. It's just that simple. And thank God, you know, Marty and Bridget both had the, the grit to hang in there because they came to, to conferences. And it's hard to get to know somebody at conference because I'm constantly going and things are happening. But I'm so glad they did because now literally they are my best friends. You know, uh, we've got Vito and Zach. I mean, these people are, they're not just leaders in JGLM. These are friends. These are people that I know that if I needed prayer, I could call them and I know they would pray and not Talk about me, Amen. which is a big deal. Amen. Yeah. And so, uh, but that's, that's why, I mean, that's, that's why I got so close to him. Not because I always had to be the guy with all the answers, but because there's answers that we all need and that we're moving toward. And I look for people that will sharpen me so that we can grow together. Amen. Amen? And there's people that I've wanted to be friends with and it just hasn't worked. It hasn't come together. Why? Usually because of the busyness, not the business, but the busyness of ministry. You know? Um, I've joked before and I said, you know, the worst thing for some people's Christianity is to be in the ministry. Uh, because they, they quit fellowshipping with God and they're always in the business stuff. Right? So, well, um, as I said, being the person, now here's the other thing, being the person with the answers See, a lot of people like being that. Why? Because it makes you feel good. It feeds the flesh. Uh 
I, I, I got the answers. People are coming to me. Oh, look how many calls I got. Look how many emails. I got. Look, why? Because people, people are coming to me. It makes them feel needed. That's a broken person that needs that, right? And so we have to realize that all that matters is that you have relationship with God and then the other relationships he will work out. And, but the idea is that you need to be able to uh, recognize. See, if you're, if you're always a person with the answers, then eventually, and if people are friends with you and you're always the answer person and they're always asking questions, then eventually they will get all the answers that they want from you that they can, and then they'll go be friends with somebody else. That's right. That's right. That's not friendship. Yeah. See, that, that's, you know, some type of exchange or it's, you know, manipulation or whatever it is, but uh, there has to be that together now. <clears throat> but if you're having good conversations with people, then you will both grow continually. And you'll keep growing. And that's why God puts people together. He puts them together. A lot of times people want to be with people, but God says, no, you don't need to be with that person right now. It's maybe forever, but you need to be this way. And then he will put people with you that you need and that they need. God has to work good on both ends. It can't just be good for you or just good for them. See, that's the thing. A lot of people only think, I want a friendship with that person because it will help me. Okay, well, will your friendship help that person? Because if it won't, God probably won't connect you because that's the way he works things, right? Now, you may get a certain benefit out of it, but the other person should benefit also, right? Now, one of the seven secrets of spiritual power that we have taught them before is that you have to fellowship with like-minded people. That is a key. Well, that's the law of association. That's it in a nutshell. You know, I always told my kids, uh, we've got three kids that are full-grown, married, and it's funny because... Uh, I always tell my kids, marry up, you know, mar- marry somebody better than you, you know, <laughs> which is hard to say for your kids. I mean, you know, you, you always think they're the best anyway, but I always tell them, marry, marry up, marry somebody smarter, marry up. Why? And the funny thing is, and I had somebody ask me, well, what about the other kids' parents? <laughs> you know, uh, shouldn't they be marrying up? Yep. And their parents should have taught them that. So I can't help that, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but hopefully there's some growth, right? So, but they should all marry up. Now, when I first started searching for answers uh, concerning walking in, in the power of God, number one, I didn't know anybody that was walking where I wanted to walk. I, I, all I had read was Wigglesworth, John Lake, Amy Simple McPherson, Jack Coe, A.L. I'd read all these stories, and I thought, where are those people? Well, guess what? They were all dead. So I couldn't really fellowship with them, right? Uh, I wasn't going to get weird and lay on their grave. And you know, try to suck the anointing out, you know, do the grave sucking that some people have done. Okay, and um, but it's just it's silly, right? And it, and you'll get devils doing that, so it's best not to do it that way. But anyway, um, but I didn't know anybody. I mean, now listen, there were people that were walking in power that were still alive, but I just didn't know of them because they weren't famous. They weren't out there. I didn't know people like David Hogan. You know, people that had walked to it in a, in a degree of power. I'd heard about Dr. Sumrall. Uh, I'd heard about T.L. Osborne. I'd heard about these people, but I really couldn't get to them. Most of them had bodyguards, and Dr. Sumrall didn't, neither did T.L. Osborne, thank God. Uh, but most of them had different bodyguards, especially people that walked in power. Now, I knew a lot of people at the time that was very powerful in the Word, in other words, in teaching the Word. But even them you couldn't get to 
because they had bodyguards. Matter of fact, they usually had more bodyguards than the, per, pre, than the people walking in power. People walking in power don't generally need bodyguards, right? <laughs> and so, um, but, and then eventually uh, I met Dr. Summerall down in Houston and went and he called me to come up to uh, South Bend and we did. And I mean, you've probably heard that story. But at the beginning, I wasn't around any of these people and there was no hope for me to get around those people. They lived way off. I had no you know, didn't have a vehicle, didn't have the money to get there, didn't have a way of getting there, and didn't even know where Dr. Summerall lived, you know, at the time. And so <clears throat> I knew these people that had done things, and I wanted to be like them. But the only people I, that I could get any type of uh, answers from was the people that were dead, most of them, right? And so I started noticing. Now, notice here. Um, <clears throat> Obviously, like there were some powerful people out there that most of them I hadn't heard of yet. But the ones that I did know of, they were already dead. John Lake, Wigglesworth, Allen, Coe. Or Roberts was still alive, but he had actually kind of changed his direction there, uh, you know, the last 30 years of his life, uh, in the, in more toward the, the um, educational field and even the medical field with the City of Faith and that kind of stuff, which wasn't the direction I was going. And so I would watch his videotapes, but there wasn't a whole lot that I wanted to glean from him. Not putting him down. He was a great man of God. I have no doubt about that. It just, I wouldn't go in that direction. And so, uh, but what I found, I, see, I had to find a way to get to the mentors that I wanted. And so I found out how to do that, right, without getting weird. Well, too weird anyway. Not too, too weird. But there's only, I only knew three ways to get to them. Number one, now listen, listen closely. If you write these down, you can follow these steps and you can get the mentor you want that, and the one that God wants you to have. I'm going to tell you how to, how to get them, right? So, number one, <clears throat> by recording. In other words, you can be mentored by somebody by listening to their teachings that's been recorded. Amen. You can be mentored by that. If, that. if that's not true, there's no need for us to record anything. Because the purpose of recording is to get that information out. Now, a lot, of, a lot of people, see, you don't need to get close to a living person until you've heard what they've said, and now you've done what they said, and now you're at the place where now you need deeper information than necessarily what they have shared. Now you need to get to that person. But believe me, for the most part, Especially nowadays with all the recordings and everything that's, that's out there. Both, I mean, we got thousands of recordings out there. Every other ministry does also. So if you want to get trained by a ministry, it's easy. Right. Easy right. to get trained by a ministry nowadays. You can first, first level, listen to everything that they record. Find the person that strikes a, a chord in your heart of I'm going that direction. And then sit under that teaching. Listen to it. Play it. You know, preach it. Take it and preach it to yourself, right? Re write down notes and get it in you. But it's by recording either audio, video, either way, and you can get trained. We got people that claimed, you know, claim, well, they claim to be my disciples around the world that I have never met. And guess what? They're healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils, and preaching the gospel. Well, guess what? I will gladly claim them as a disciple. Right? Why? Because they're doing what we say. Right. Amen? And they did it, and we've never met. I've never laid hands on them. We've never had an impartation service. We've never done any of that stuff, but they've just listened to the teaching and did it. Right. 
And when they did, it started working. Why? Because it's the Word of God. And honestly, if they had traveled around the world, got here, sat on the front row, they would have heard nothing different than what we have recorded. Isn't that simple? The only thing that could be different was they might get some questions answered that they might not get at a distance. That's the only, only thing. Now, which most of your questions get answered as soon as you start doing the things that we teach. You learn as you do. That's how I learned. And believe me, those are the lessons you learn the best. Number two, by those person's writings, by their written down sermons or their biographies. You know, it is amazing. I was trying to remember who said it the other day. There is no history. There are only biographies. Every history we have, all history we have, is simply biography. It's somebody did something. And we read about their life. Now, I will tell you the biographies of Wigglesworth and Lake and all the God's generals have done more for my spiritual growth and helped me grow and learn to do than anything else, than literally anything else. Uh, I was with Dr. Sumrall, so I got to see that. That was real in life in front of me. Uh, But it was also in his church. It wasn't when he was on the field. It wasn't some of the, the greater miracles. We saw some things happen there. But mostly it was him. I I needed that strength that he had. And so that doesn't mean that I agreed with everything he said. Thank you. So, uh, but at the same time, he was my elder and he knew more and had done more. So I listened to him and, you know, did what he said. Now, same thing. Um, Well, the third thing, we'll go with the third thing, uh, is by family and friends of the person that I was trying to be mentored by. In other words, I couldn't get to John Lake, but I did find out where his daughter and her husband lived. And I started making phone calls and I started talking to them every week. And I got to the point, honestly, where I know I bugged them. I mean, I know it. I know they got kind of, you know, it's Monday. I'm I'm sure that kid from Texas is going to be calling us here in a few minutes. And that's what I did. And I would just call them. And but they were always so gracious and answered my questions. And I and then I, you know, I'd go through it the whole week and, you know, may have come up with a whole new set of questions and then call them again the next Monday. And she is funny because Gertie would answer and she'd hello. And I'd say, "Um, hello, Ms. Wright. This is Craig Blake. Yes, I'll get Will. <laughs> well, it's Brother Curry. No, she said it's Brother Blake. Brother Blake is calling. And so he'd come in, and I could hear him coming in the back because he was usually outside doing something. And he'd come in, and you could hear it. And so he'd, you know, he'd pick up his phone. <clears throat> Brother Blake, how are you doing today? And we'd just start talking. I'm doing great, sir. I got a question. You know, I just you know, right into it. And, um, and the, all those conversations I recorded, I still got them recorded. I'm trying to get them transferred over onto CD and MP3 and things. But I found these people and kept asking questions, kept asking questions, and just kept digging, kept digging. So, and then they would tell me about other people that knew John Lake, and they would give me some of their information, and I would call those people and talk to them. So it's either by watching their videos listening to them, listening to their audio recordings. It's by reading their books, by reading their sermons. Uh, William Branham, you, they got all of his sermons written out. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Every sermon was literally transcribed exactly as he said it. I mean, if he said, mm, 
it's in there. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm not kidding. And, I mean, and so they got all these things. So you can get these things and read them, and you get as close as you can get. I got a hold of all the uh, VHS tapes back then of Alan and Co. and William Brandman, all these different people, and I would just sit and watch it, sit and watch it, because was, that was as close as I could get. And it was aggravating because it was as close as I could get. But I would watch and I would watch and I'd watch the same thing over and over again. But mainly I would, a lot of times I would kind of zip through to the healing service and watch the healings and I'd watch what he'd say and I'd run it back. Wait, what did he say? And listen to what he said this time. And, how, and now this other person has the exact same problem, but he said something different. And I would sit there and think, now why did he say this? And then I would see how he would minister and different things. So that I, I did everything I could do to get close to these people that I knew I needed to be mentored by. And so, you know, and this is one of the things that I wrote down. Do you think it is a coincidence? Number one, that I walk in power. And that I, do you think it's a coincidence that, that I also just happen to know some of the intimate details about the God's, you know, God's generals and their life? Do you think that's just a coincidence? No. What came first? I can guarantee you I wasn't walking in power and then studied these guys. I studied these guys first and then walked in power. Why? And that wasn't a coincidence. Why? Because it was just like I was talking to my mother last night. And one of my favorite movies is uh, Peter and Paul with uh, Anthony Hopkins, who also played Hannibal Lecter, which is... <laughs> anyway, so, but when he played... Uh, P, uh, Paul, he, he was phenomenal. I mean, I guarantee you that's how Paul was. Based on the readings of the book of Acts, I guarantee it. Now, when I watched that, because I was talking to my mother about this, and because my mother said, you know, where did you get this? You know, how did you get this way? Why, why did you? Well, I watched that, and I said, that's how Paul was. And so I purposely formed my character and my mentality to be like that. I purposely did it. In other words, the way Paul would answer, I would purposely answer. Because see, I'm, I'm not a, like I said, I'm not a very vocal, out, you know, I'm not even really an outgoing person, really. I, I would rather be sitting quietly reading or something. And, but when it comes to the gospel, then there has to be that push and there has to be that, that steadfastness. And whenever I saw that movie, Peter and Paul, and then immediately I'm like, that's Dr. Summerall. Paul was like Dr. Summerall in that. That's, and then I realized why I had to go to Dr. Summerall, because I needed that element like Paul had. That it's like, no, it's this way. No, it's by faith in God. Not by your works, not by this. No, we have to stand firm on this. I will not bow. That's why I was talking about hell earlier. There are things I will, not, I will not even bow. Now, if it's a matter of opinion, that's great. But if it's a matter of doctrine, if it's a matter of an area that Jesus was, was specific about, I will not bow, I will not bend, I will not make any uh, you know, changes in just for popularity or for you know, whatever. It won't happen. And see, we have to realize Daniel, remember Daniel. <clears throat> the Bible said, one thing said, the Bible says about Daniel is that he had an excellent spirit, an excellent spirit, but do you know who Daniel's friends were? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember that? The three that got thrown in the fiery furnace because they wouldn't bow their knee? Well, how do you think Daniel got so strong? 
He hung around with strong people. He hung around with people that also would not bow, even if it meant getting thrown into the fire. And let me tell you, that strength of, of, of him not getting, or them not getting thrown into the fire, or not bowing, uh, even if they did, it was the same kind of strength it took for Daniel to survive a night in the lion's den. If Daniel hadn't have seen that in them, if Daniel hadn't have had that excellent spirit, he wouldn't have lasted the night in the, in the lion's den. Do you realize Daniel's faith in God had to go all night? He didn't use it one time. He used it all night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you get that? Mm-hmm. I love the way Dr. Summerall used to tell the story. It's amazing. You ought to hear him tell it sometime. Uh, he's got it recorded. That's what I mean by hearing him tell it. So, But <clears throat> you have to realize, too, that... Um, it's no coincidence that I studied, I spent hours, I spent weeks and months and all this stuff. I went to archives, pulled out newspapers, read articles, read every, everything that was around that I could find. I got a hold of it. Why? Because I, was, I, was, I knew what I was called to do. And I was trying to find people that had walked it before. And I wanted to walk in their shoes and still go further. Amen? Because that's what we have to do. Everybody... You know, everybody that is talking about me should go further than that. You should go further than I have to. Now, notice here, but and I will tell you the little bit of money that we did have at the time, I spent on gas going places and going to archives and on phone bills, which isn't always easy to explain, you know, to family sometimes of why you're spending the, you know, the light bill money, you know, on phone calls, right? But amazingly, God took care of us, right? Well, the dead guys became my associates. And I quit hanging around with people that would tell me I couldn't do something. And tell me, well, that, you know, well, you have to be anointed. You have to be gifted. You have to do that. I'm like, I, I don't believe that God is just going to zap people. I believe that people get into a place where God can zap them. Let's put it that way, right? And, but if you're not going to get into that place, you're not going to walk where they walked. So I figured if I could just do what those guys did and be like those guys, then if God used them, he might use me. Amen. And I found out that's true. But it's the law of association, right? And so it's funny because I didn't have a lot of friends. I didn't have a lot of associates. I had really one friend usually and five or six associates, right? And that's about it. And I will tell you this. And these are notes I wrote down specifically because I feel these are so important. If they, If any person around me ever voiced a doubt as to whether or not I could or would walk in the power of God, they were gone. I didn't wait for it two times. You you say, well, that's that's pretty harsh. And if you ask my daughter-in-law, whenever I first met her, I was harsh. I I didn't put up with anything, right? I've, I've grown a little more, I have a little more grace for people now than I did then. But that's because I know that I can still kind of distance myself and still be nice, but at a distance. But back then it was like I didn't have that luxury because I had to totally monitor everything that came in my eyes, everything that came in my ears. And I had to know that what I was listening to was going to help me move forward because I had not seen the power of God yet. So, uh, but it was real quick. If you want to be my friend, it was easy. Tell me I could and would walk in the power of God. We were friends. It was that simple. Right? Talk to me about the Bible. Talk to me about God's generals. Tell me testimonies and miracles and healings and things. We're friends. 
you want to talk about doubt and how this can't happen nowadays and that's what, and oh, it's hard and it's tough. And, we're not friends, right? We may be a distant associate, but if you're not going to, and, and now listen, it's not one-sided. It's, it's not, you know, well, if you're not going to help me, then I have nothing to do with you. No, I will try to help you and you help me. And if that works, then great. But I will not waste my time with a person that uses anything as an excuse for them not to look more like Jesus. It's just that simple. Now, and that's the practice I still have today, and that's why I'm friends with Marty and George and, and the people that I'm friends with like that. Why? Because this is what we talk about. This is what we yearn for. This is, and, and with all we've seen, we want to see more. Why? Because Jesus still isn't glorified to the point that he should be. In the church, right? Now, just so you know, from a nat- this is a natural thing, too. It also works. Did you know that Henry Ford was ready to quit before he created the automobile? He was ready to quit, but then he met Thomas Edison. And when he met Thomas Edison, he said, here's what I'm trying to do. And Thomas Edison said, man, you got it. That's it. A, 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 an automobile, a horse's carriage with its own power plant. He said... Genius. He said, that is, he said, go for it, man. Go, go, make it happen. And so Thomas Edison and Henry Ford became good friends. Why? Because Thomas Edison moved it forward. He, and uh, Henry Ford said, well, I can't figure this out. I've tried and I've tried. I can't figure it out. And Thomas Edison reportedly told him, well, have you tried 10,000 times? <laughs> he said, well, no, not yet. He said, well, I had 10,000 failures. People call them failures. He said, all I said was there were 10,000 ways it didn't work. But I kept going until I found the way that worked. He said, you're not a failure till you quit. He said, you keep going till you find the way that works. And that's what Henry Ford did. Do you realize Henry Ford and Thomas Edison became very good friends, along with another man named Harvey Firestone. Maybe you recognize that name too. Now guess what? These three guys became so good friends that they jumped in a Ford automobile Every year for 10 years, they would jump in that car and go across the country and do a, a, a countrywide tour and go across the country. And they spent time together like that because they needed sharpening with each other. And they knew they could do that. So they would go. Now, Henry Ford was brilliant. OK, don't agree with all of his political stuff, but he was brilliant because he would call the cities they were going to go to. He would call ahead and say, hey. You've got Thomas Edison, you've got Henry Ford, and you've got Harvey Firestone going to be coming through your town very quickly. And I think you ought to get out there and do a report on it. And so they would come out and take pictures on the front page of all the newspaper of these men riding in a Ford automobile. (laughs) And he sold a whole lot of Fords because people saw those men riding in it. He's a pretty smart businessman. All right. So... Not only, now get this, not only did they jump in a car together, you know what else they did? They thought their association was so important, they actually built homes next to each other and lived next to each other so they could walk across the yard and talk to each other. That's important. And then people tell me, well, it's a long way to Texas. <laughs> not if you move here. That's right, that's right. And then it's close, right? But you need to realize, people, people always use it, well, that's so far. Well, I don't know if I can get off work. You know what I did? Guess what? I quit jobs. Come on. I quit every job that they wouldn't let me go to a camp meeting. 
I quit. Why? Because the knowledge was more important than the paycheck. That's right. That's right. And I, man, I'm telling you, I, I, got, I caught flack, especially from my mother-in-law at the time. Look at you, quitting that job, running from, dragging these kids from pillar to post. <laughs> you know, you ever hear that term, pillar to post? It's an old term. I, but I told her, I said, that's not true. I don't have a pillar to drag them from or a post to drag them to. <laughs> so, you know, I was just, it's just the way it was. But why? The, the, what, I was, what I desired was more important. And, and, and that's, I didn't have a career job. I, I purposely took jobs that it wouldn't bother me to quit. Why? Because I knew I, you know, I might have a tendency not to quit if it was a good job. So I just took jobs that would pay the bills and you know, feed the, the mouths that we had. And so, but I would quit if I had to, if they wouldn't let me off work. Usually, they'd, a lot of times they let me off. But if they didn't, I'd quit. Why? Because that's what's more important. You've got to count the cost. You've got to decide how bad do you want it. Man. What do you want and what will you do to get it? And see, we have to realize there's a, there's a lot more to this. I, I, I can't talk too much about it now because I'm going to finish up right here. But you need to realize that whatever it takes for you to get there, you need to get there. The law of association is easily seen throughout Scripture and church history. You got Moses and Joshua. You got David and Jonathan. Association. You got Elijah and Elisha. And you'll notice that almost all these people did greater than the person than the first name, you know, the, the second person did. You got Jesus and the 12. So there's always this law of association. Now, in Mark chapter 3, verse 14, it says this about Jesus. And he ordained 12. Why did he ordain them? Number one, that they should be with him. You get that? They or, he ordained them that they should be with him. That's the first part of ordination. If you're ordained, your first aspect of ordination is to be with him. Amen. First and foremost, we see this in the book of Acts whenever the apostle said, it's not right that we should wait tables, but we have to give ourselves to prayer and ministry of the word. Yes. See, that's what's important, right? And then secondly, that he might send them forth to preach and then to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. That's what he ordained them to do. Right? Jesus had the 12. He had the 70. He sent out the 70 in twos. He had Peter, James, and John. We know those are three of the 12. They were close associates. Saul, who became Paul, had Barnabas. He was an associate. At first, Barnabas was the mentor, but eventually he raised up Paul to the point where then Paul stepped into his calling. Almost every person that God uses strongly had to serve a time under somebody else that they eventually surpass because that's the divine order of things. Right? Paul then had Timothy. Paul was a mentor. Timothy was a disciple. Priscilla and Aquila trained Apollos. Apollos was supposed to be mighty in the word, but he also had to be trained in the finer things so that he would know, have a more full understanding. Usually a divine discipleship looks like service at first. John Lake served John Alexander Dowie. F.F. Bosworth served John Alexander Dowie. And he had a tremendous healing ministry afterwards. Even then he retired and then eventually came out of retirement so that he could serve William Branham. Now think about that. Came out of retirement so he could serve a man half his age and yet traveled around the world with him and got to witness hundreds of thousands of healings and even dead raisings. 
Then Gordon Lindsay. He was saved and trained by John Lake, but he later served William Branham in his ministry. Elisha poured water over the hands of Elijah. Poured water. Not a very fancy job. Didn't have a, you know, he didn't have a title. Oh, Elisha, you're a great prophet. No, that ain't what they said. Oh, he's Elisha, the man who poured water over the hands of Elijah. Now think about how that would feel, especially if you had ego. But he didn't have ego. He had a purpose. Dr. Summerall served with Howard Carter. Then later on, he got to serve with Smith Wigglesworth and was trained by them. Summerall desired, and notice, but the mentors had to initiate it. Dr. Summerall, as I said, served Howard Carter, but Howard Carter told him, here, you need to come with me. And they traveled around. Smith Wigglesworth said, you need to come see me. And so he went to his house and they formed a relationship. Dr. Summerall asked me to come to South Bend, but I still had to answer the call. I lived here in Texas. I had no car. I had no money, had nothing, had a wife and three kids. But he said, come, and I had to figure out a way to get there. And strangely enough, right after that, because I didn't even have a vehicle. Right after that, my mom sent me, uh, I think it was $200 for a uh, bus ticket and gave me a bus ticket. And I got on a bus by myself, left my wife and kids here in Texas and went up to South Bend and was up there. When I got there, got two jobs within a week. One was detasseling corn and the other was at a fast food restaurant. But I told them, won't work on Sunday or Wednesday nights. Why? I didn't come here to work at a fast food restaurant or detassel corn. I came here to sit under that man's teaching. If he's talking, I'm there. And that's what we did for several years. So you can, and whenever I was with Dr. Summerall, I never received a salary from him. Not once. Never received a salary. Never told him my condition, our, our situation, Nothing. He didn't know anything about it until one day I didn't, we, we volunteered to work the phones and one day uh, we didn't show up. So he saw us and said, where were you? I said, well, our, our car broke down and I didn't have a way to get here. And he turned around to Brother Murphy, which was his brother-in-law and said, get this young couple a car by 5 p.m. and I don't mean maybe. And Dr. <laughs> Brother Murphy said, all right, come with me. And we had a car by five o'clock. It wasn't much, but it ran and it got us there. There were times that, we had a car that the brakes went out in the snow. <laughs> to stop it, I had to gear it toward the curb and run the tires against the curb and then turn them inward so that it would eventually stop us. Oh, my gosh. That's... Yeah. <laughs> With my wife and kids in the car. So that'd probably be illegal now. You know, I'm sure it would be. No brakes. But, but if you want something bad enough, you'll do what it takes to get there. That's right. That's right. It's like that. Sometimes I told my wife, I said, I feel like that guy on that car commercial. We know a few things because we've seen a few things. You know, it's just, just, you know. (laughs) So, you can let your desire be known, but the mentor has to agree. Sometimes it can take a while for the mentor to get the memo. Right? Uh, You get around them. You can ask questions. You listen when they aren't talking to you. You preach their sermons. You tell their testimonies until you get your own. You do just like they did. You imitate them as they imitate Christ. Whatever the cost, if you have, if you have it in you to get it, you will pay it. Right. If you don't, it's just that simple. You will do whatever it takes because it's in you too strong to quit or back off. That's the same fire. Listen, that's the same fire you will need to carry the ministry. And if you don't have that fire, you won't be able to carry the ministry even if it was handed to you on a silver platter. So, you have to have the same thing. 
F.F. Um, F. Bosworth trained T.L. Osborne. And if you'll notice about these guys, F.F. trained T.L. You know, they all use their initials. I don't know why. But there seems to be some kind of pattern to it. So you need to get rid of whatever holds you back. Take on whoever helps you forward. You also need to get rid of not just whatever holds you back, but whoever holds you back. Right? You need to, as Hattie Hammond told uh, T.L. Osborne, you need to see Jesus in the Bible. You need to see Jesus in a man. And you need to see Jesus in yourself. And when you do, you'll start to walk where you're supposed to walk. So the law of association, you can use it for good or it will be used against you. Amen? Amen. So you get to decide. You should sit down and write down who you want to be. Look around and see if there's somebody that's like that. And then decide to get near that person. You should write down all your friends and say, put an arrow up or an arrow down beside their name. Do they help me grow or do they slow me down? And as soon as you get a down arrow, mark them off the list. Don't be mean. Just start spending less time. That's right. Is that, is that pretty simple? Yes, sir. Now, like I said, this is probably one of the most important laws because this will determine your future. Whereas the others will also, but this one can make or break you. And sometimes it's better. I'm telling you, I, I love biographies. And every time I'm reading about some amazing testimony by Wigglesworth or Lake or anybody, I look at it and I go, you know what? God could use him to do that. He can use me to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wigglesworth was a flawed individual. John Lake was a flawed individual. I'm a candidate. <laughs> Why? Because I'm a flawed individual. Right. Amen? So we just have to decide what you want. And see, the problem is, and then this is the real thing too, the situation now is that most Christians will not do anything different than what they've been doing. And they will not change, and nothing changes till you do. And so you have to make that decision. Most Christianity is lip service. We have become just like the, just like the Hebrew children. That we draw nigh Him with our lips, but our hearts are far from Him. Why? Because when your heart is near, you do what He says. Why? Because when your heart's near, you love him. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Isn't that simple? So simple. But we make it hard and we make excuses. And you have to decide, what do you want? Who do you want to be like? And you, you will, if you want to be like somebody, and you say, well, I want to be like Jesus. All right, that, that's good. But there are stepping stones. And people sometimes are those stepping stones to be more like Jesus. Because there's things you need to see in people. There's things that need to be part. That's why we need the five-fold ministry. So, anyway, all right. Did y'all get anything out of this this morning? Amen, amen. Well, all right. Well, Father, we thank you. Your word is absolutely true. Father, I thank you. I preached your word. And I thank you, Father, that it has gone into the hearts of those that hear. That it will remain there like the barbed arrow. Cannot be taken out. Cannot be removed until it is acted upon. So, Father, I thank you. In the name of Jesus, right now. In Jesus' name. If you have not made Jesus your Lord, I'm not saying make him Savior. I'm saying Lord. If you have not made him your Lord, your King, then do it now. Right now, make that decision. This doesn't mean you have to come down front and you have to shake a hand or fill out a card. You just make the decision in your heart. Jesus, I make you Lord of my life.
And I will promise you that if you make him Lord of your life, he will do things with your life that you would think would never be possible. And I'm not saying it'll all be easy, but I'm saying he will lead, he will guide, he will take you to the destiny that he has put in your heart for you to fulfill. And he will take you there. So make him Lord of your life right now. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then at the same time, you can also receive that baptism. You just have to simply ask him. You're his child. He will give it to you. You don't require my hands to do that. He will give it to you directly. It's between you and him. And you can receive directly from him. And you can receive power from on high. Power that allows you to do everything Jesus did. And he will use you to change your world and the world in general. We hope you enjoyed this powerful teaching. For more information about John G. Lake Ministries, you can locate us on the internet at jglm.org or you can call us at 469-209-0946. Until next time, may you be a hearer and doer of the Word of God.